Media. Fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. Um, if you are here uh, to hear about Isaiah Vidal, um, that is my fault. Um, hold on. I think... Uh, he's going to jump on with me here in a second. Uh, so, so yeah, we're live. Um, I messed up and did not send, um, and did not send him uh, the reminder that I was supposed to. Um, so just let me send him the link now, um, just to make sure he has that. Um, yeah. So. It's been one of those weeks uh, where there's a lot going on. Um, I am gearing up to go full documentary mode this weekend with Rudy Berger. Um, he is going to start the uh, age group uh, semifinals tomorrow. Um, staying in touch with Jamie uh, through the weekend to see how her semifinals are going. Um, but uh, yeah, but while we're waiting for Isaiah to jump on, uh, super stoked, uh, for that this weekend, uh, that one, we're going to take a little bit more time with Rudy's documentary. Uh, we are going to release it, uh, just after the leaderboard board is valid. And we definitely know whether he has a games ticket or not. I am pretty sure that Rudy will get his games ticket. Um, but we just want to make sure it's official, uh, before we release the documentary and kind of the journey from there until we get uh, him to the games. Um, and then we're going to have update co updated conversations with Jamie all weekend long as she's going through the semifinals herself. So Isaiah has just jumped in. I'm going to pull him into the stream. Isaiah, how you doing? Hi, Scott. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, sorry about that. Um, got to trying to, to interview all these semifinal athletes. The scheduling got out of hand for me and I forgot to send you the reminder. It's all good, man. I just, I totally just spaced out on it. I, if I didn't get your email, I would have totally forgot about it. I literally was headed out the door. <laughs> well, so yeah, so it's a busy time right now in, in this world and we're already live right now. I was just doing some riffing and uh, talking about some upcoming things on our schedule. Um, and so you're live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube right now. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to pull up your notes real quick. Um, yeah, but the one thing I wanted to do is I know you are the most decorated OCR racer in the world. Wow. It's, it's a title that I've I definitely, um, I can't even comprehend, man. It's been. 10, almost 11 years dedicating my life 
to the sport of OCR Spartan race. Um, I mean, I just, it's definitely a title that's kind of held on since I started. Um, I mean, you have to think about like, you think of the greats like Michael Jordan, people who started the pinnacle of the pioneer of a, of a, of a sport, you know, for me to have been part of that journey and being one of the pioneer athletes, um, in the sport of Spartan and the sport of OCR, you know, I started when I was 18 years old, man. So you can only imagine I'm 30 now. So, I mean, it's just, it's humbling. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm trying to be modest about it. Um, well, I, I want to throw a couple of numbers out there to the audience who may not be yeah. as familiar with OCR. You have competed in over 150 races mm-hmm. and you have podiumed more than 95 times. Yeah. That is, that is mind blowing. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you think about, you think about certain stats and whatnot, like you, you have at a certain point you accomplished so much. And for me, like, there was still that little itch of like winning the Spartan, the actual Spartan race world championship. You know, the best placement I placed there in the seven years that I had competed within that time frame. you know, my best finish was sixth place. I mean, we're talking about athletes who are decorated athletes and ultra running, you know, army green berets, um, endurance beast monsters people who are just have these track records that are just like on paper, if you were put them to side by side with me who came out of high school, football player, soccer player, cross country, like it just makes no sense. And then I was obviously about 15, 20 pounds heavier than these guys. It definitely, um, it shifts the focus of like, I was truly given a talent by the grace of God. And I've been able to really put that forth and just put the effort and the, and the, and the work ethic, and the mentality and the tenacity. And that's when it led me to have such a successful career of consistency versus, you know, a world championship title. Even though I do have world championship titles in my name, you know, being the 2014 Ultra Beast World Champion, that was a cool highlight in my career. Uh, Winning the Stadium Series World Championship in 2019, which was the last that they've had it. it's just some of those things where you truly like you work so hard for so many years to get towards that. And once you accomplish it, it's like, okay, what's next? And obviously this probably will lead us to where we're at now. And I'm tackling the CrossFit space finally. So before we get to now, what was it that attracted you to OCR when you were 18 years old? Did you just see an advertisement and think, man, that looks cool and fun or Honestly, I was in a really bad breakup in high school. And then also my dad, he had a, a really bad, you know, record here in the States. And um, he had gotten deported back to Mexico. So I was in a very big pitfall in my life during that time. And I would say I was in a, a depressive state. You know, I was young. I lost 10 pounds in a week. I was super depressed. And at the time I was working as a personal trainer at a local gym in Marble Falls, Texas. And I was on the computer one day and the computer said, if you miss your tough mutter, come do a free Spartan race. And the Spartan race was in Glen Rose, Texas in 2011, uh, in December. 
And I had asked my coworker, my buddy of mine, like, hey, dude, like, are you are you doing this Spartan race thing? Because it looks pretty, like, intense. Like, I don't even know what the heck it's about. He's like, yeah, man. Like, my mom, she's got us a hotel. I'm going with another friend of mine. You should come. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, dude, just sign up for it and just come with us. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I'm, I'm, I'm towing the line with these guys. It's freaking cold. It's December. It's in Texas. And there's literally like ravines and rivers that are like ice cold, like there's there's ice on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, we're just pulling up to the venue. And I just remember like just shivering in fear, like what the what the heck am I about to do right now? But, you know, the whole process of getting through the Spartan race was really easy at the time. It still is to even to this day. But, you know, you get your packet, you go to the start line, you get ready, you put your bib on. You get in this corral of people with these Spartan pillars. And then there's this guy that's just dressed as a Spartan. He's super jacked. And like my friends and I are looking at each other like, damn, dude, like that guy's got it built. Like, no kidding. And next, you know, the, he, the, the commentator, the announcer is like, Spartans, are you ready? And my friends and I are like, oh, dang, like this thing's about to start. Like we're getting heated. We didn't even warm up. And next, you know, he's like, and I counted three Aru's. I want you to start running out of the corral as fast as you can. And then the guy just goes, Aru, Aru. And we start repeating like, Aru, Aru. So you can imagine like the crowd is just going crazy and everybody's like screaming, Aru, Aru. And like, we're just shooting out of the gates. And my buddies and I are together for a good while. We're dodging cactus. We're climbing over K-bells. We're climbing over walls. At a certain point, my friends look at me like, Isaiah, you look like you're fresh, man. Are you okay? Are you good? Like, yeah, guys, I'm feeling good. Like, and they're like, all right, well, just go, man. Just go. I'm like, okay. So I start going by myself and I start running this course and I'm seeing all these obstacles. I'm crawling under barbed wire, like actual barbed wire. I'm getting cut up by cactus on the ground. I'm climbing over walls. I'm doing like monkey bars. I'm doing like these rigs and I'm climbing up ropes out of the water and I'm failing obstacles after obstacles. But it gets to a certain point where I get to this obstacle where it's the bucket carry and it's a five gallon bucket and you had to fill it up with rocks. In that moment, you I look up and I'm having to carry this thing up a treacherous warfare mountain about 400 meters up and down, and my back is shot. Like I'm picking this thing up slowly, and I'm just like, oh, my back. Like it's bad. And in that moment, man, I had this epiphany, like reflection about literally what I was going through mentally with the, the loss of the breakup, the loss of my dad getting deported, like this depressive state of mind of, damn, like, I feel like I'm, I'm losing all the most loving people in my life. Because I was, I, I'm really close to my dad, even to this day. And in that moment, I'm like, man, I'm going through this, but I have, to, I have to finish. Like, I have to pick this thing up. I have to get to that finish line. So next, you know, I'm like, it took me about 20 minutes, but I freaking finished that obstacle. And I'm in Nike Freeze running in Nike Freeze in a mud race. <laughs> So I'm slipping all over the place. I'm falling off obstacles because I just can't have any grip on any of the obstacles. But I get to that, I get to that finish line, man. And that lady puts the medal around my neck and she's like, congrats. I'm like, for filling all those obstacles, like getting here. And she's like, you took third. I'm like, what? Yeah, you took third. I'm like, whoa, okay. So in that moment, I knew I, something was there. And, 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 and after I left, I was telling my friends, like, guys, like, that literally like felt like, feels like life, man. Like, we're going to go through obstacles. Or are we going to sit there, cry about it? 
when there's a certain scenario or we're going to learn how to learn and overcome each obstacle that comes in front of us and keep moving forward. And that was kind of the perspective of doing obstacle course racing for such a very long time because it kept just giving me that reminder of no matter what happens in life, like don't sit there pout about it, like learn how to overcome the obstacle, have the tenacity, have the will, have the strength of faith and keep moving forward. And for me, that's what has entitled me to be the athlete that I am today. And like I said, by the grace of God, you know, I've been able to use the platform to, to uh, give him the victory versus my own. I want to get into that too, but I have a couple questions from the audience. I want to get, get in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jamie Lad, Jamie Latimer asks, "Can he beat Hunter?" And <laughs> uh, apparently, the Shiz is a fan. Um, said they've had battles. Yeah, yeah. Hunter, Hunter McIntyre is a great friend of mine for many, many years. Still is to this day. Uh, not as close as the relationship, friendship that we used to have. Obviously, he's much more busy into the high rock scene now to this moment. Um, but Hunter and I have had our battles. I would say he's he's bested me in many. But, you know, there's always been that blue moon moment where I've got him in races and I've gotten him in competition. And those moments have always been reflected upon me as one of the most successful races of of my careers uh, or of my career. And that's one thing for me where Hunter has been one of those rivals of my own for many, many years. And now that he's transitioning into this whole different realm of, uh, of high rocks, you know, it's definitely... I wouldn't say outside of my wheelhouse. I did it once and I took second behind him uh, in the very first High Rocks event in Miami in 2018. And after that point, I was like, nah, this is not for me. I don't I don't see myself trying to run more than eight kilometers and then doing a bunch of obstacles or fitness stations and call it, you know, true fitness. So don't get me wrong. I, I respect what High Rocks is doing, but that's literally one domain. It's just like any kind of Olympic athlete. They train for a 400. They can be the best 400 runner in the world and be the best at that. Same thing with high rocks. You just train, train your, train your ass off for that domain, those movements, those standards, and you're just going to get faster at that race that format. That's why with CrossFit, I love it so much because the domains always change. The athletes have to, they have to revolutionize themselves. They have to evolve in a sense constantly. They can't just, there's no such thing as just one, one set of standards many standards and that's why for me I, i've always wanted to be a very complete athlete not just in spartan racing ocr but also crossfit and other hybrid events like if i think if i was to jump into a high rocks right now i'd probably take place maybe top five just because of my confidence of knowing where my running ability is at still which is kind of crazy it's almost like you, you never lose your strength if you're working as to be a runner like it's just for me i never lose my running even i'm working on strength so um I've just realized I just love being a very hybrid kind of athlete versus just like I'm recognized for this. So you bring up, so Jamie has a question that just popped up. I was going to move to something else, but it's a valid point. Entering the CrossFit space and knowing our standards, does watching high rocks movements make you want to stab your eyes out or is that just me? Um, I'm trying to understand that question, like stab my eyes out as far as like, how high rocks is or just i'm trying to understand that question a little bit more in depth so so i think um and i'm gonna hopefully i interpret it correctly is there's this perception that the standards for movement are looser in the high rocks world than they are in the crossfit world where oh, depth isn't necessary yeah and i think that's absolutely. what she's referring to absolutely i mean 
there's so many things change. It's like in Spartan, they created what it was called a deck of fit, deck of strong, deck of mile. Um, when it first started, like they were very strict on standards and, and the movement patterns and how you needed to create a certain depth mark in order for the rep to count. And then obviously those movements became more lenient, like box jumps, for example, like athletes were able to just like step over them in like this very quick manner versus like actual box jump standards and CrossFit. Like it's just, it's very, uh, it's one of those, um, I don't know how to, I don't know if the word for it, but it's just one of those, uh, like, is that real fitness kind of standards early? And it's just like, I love the fact that with CrossFit, it's like, you do get penalized. Like I got penalized during semi um, quarterfinals, like, for movement standards that I thought I was doing correctly, but in reality, like I was just missing depth. So that was one thing where like, as an athlete and as a person, you try to correct these things and you try to be better at it versus in those kinds of sports or those kinds of standards. It's like, you're just trying to just do the bare minimum. If it looks great, keep going. And if they call you out on it, then it's, that's, that's another thing. Um, but I mean, yeah. it's just, every sport is different. Every standard is different, but what I've noticed in CrossFit is like they set the standard and it's like, if you don't do it, then you get penalized for it, which I love about it. So what I, when I'm looking at your history there, there's definitely an overlap of CrossFit and, and, and OCR. So did you find that CrossFit helped you with OCR or was it something you just started dabbling in because of an interest you had? So to be quite frank with you, I actually started doing CrossFit when I was, when I started doing Spartan racing, like it literally was a milestone or a pillar of my training blocks constantly. It just wasn't a hundred percent as it has been in the last two years for me. Now it's always been there. It's, it's been probably 15 to 30% of my training. I just, I just stayed away from the heavy weights. I didn't do anything past body weight to just not allow myself to compromise my running ability and my speed that I needed in Spartan race because of being a heavier guy naturally I was just always fighting <clears throat> my ability to just gain weight and I there was a certain point in my career my Spartan race career where I, I actually became bulimic which was really bad because I just I was so obsessed with the fact that if I if I just lose one more pound I could be this much faster if I just lose a few more pounds I can just be much more readier for, for world championship and at a certain point I kind of my brother at the time was training me and he slapped me in the face and I was like bro stop focusing on your weight focus on performance and at that point it was kind of like he was structuring me a lot of CrossFit and a lot of uh at the time it was um I don't know if you remember Brian McKenzie's uh endurance uh it used to be called CrossFit endurance <clears throat> programming and it's not a thing anymore, but there was a structure behind that that kind of helped kind of set a foundation for me to prepare for Spartan races using CrossFit without doing so much of the volume that a lot of those Spartan race guys were doing. It's almost like I was doing a lot of quality versus quantity for miles versus, you know, just beating my body up because being a heavier guy, my knees are taking a, a, much, a much bigger pounding. You know, my, my mental mentality was just kind of like, Oh, just, this is too much. This is too much. So a lot of my CrossFit training was impl implemented because of those reasons so that I can prepare for races. So you, you said during this time you became bulimic. <clears throat> yeah. That's, it's not easy for men 
to admit eating disorders, right? In this, in this yeah. world, it's not, I don't even want to say accepted because it's not accepted by women either. Um, no. But how hard was it for you to ask for help during that time and to get some kind of solution to that? Or was yeah. it just your brother slapping you in the face enough? Honestly, I didn't. Actually, this is a funny story. I remember Hunter actually helped me um, at a certain point because he witnessed what I was going through some during that time in 2014. He's like, bro, you're trying to be something that you're not. I remember him saying that. Like, I wouldn't be saying that if I didn't remember clearly as if it, if it was yesterday. And at that point, like, <clears throat> I kind of had an awakening <clears throat> between just hearing, you know, friends telling me, like, things like that. And then my brother kind of just constantly slapping me in the face and telling me like, bro, stop worrying about what you're eating. Like, stop thinking that you're going to get fat. Stop thinking that you're going to gain more weight. Like just focus on your training and focus on the performance and how you feel. And I'm like, okay. So it took me a good solid year. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of time, but it is a lot of time, especially when you're going through something like that. But I just, I started doing research on the effects of it, of what could possibly happen to my body eternally. If I continued doing something like that, like I could literally die. And I think once I read that, I was like, dang, like that's serious. Like I didn't really think I knew what the fudge I was actually doing to my body. I was just so like obsessed with the idea of like wanting to be lighter so that I could be faster because that was kind of like, I mean, when you're running up these mountains, Scott, some of these courses that Spartan Race puts in your and puts in front of you, I mean, they're no joke, man. Like you're running through shit that you're not supposed to be. Like it's bad, man. Like it's not, it's not stuff that's normal. Like it's literally very, very primal. Like and I, for me, my biggest injuries were ankle sprains. So like a lot of the pounding of my body weight was causing that, and a lot of the inability to be strong and being very vulnerable with my body it was it was very vulnerable during those times because obviously i was doing something eternally that was very wrong so it made my body very fragile and i think it took to a certain point where i literally had this race performance of my life but i ended up twisting both my ankles a mile and a half into the race into a six mile race and i continued on adrenaline ended up tumbling to the ground. It's on, it's an actual NBC sports coverage race that I, that actually shows all this. And at that point I realized like, dang, like I'm literally, I'm destroying myself, like not only mentally, but physically. And it, it took to, it took me to a certain point where I had plantar fasciitis for almost two years racing. I was racing two years with plantar fasciitis. And at that point I realized like, that's what, what helped me kind of heal was just taking time off taking time away from racing. I had to be, you know, booted up in a, in a cast, casted boot on my, uh, on my, uh, right foot. Cause I had plantar fasciitis and the results of what I was doing to my body eternally was a result of that. Like, it's not just the overuse of training. It was so much about what I was doing eternally, making my body very fragile and vulnerable. So I think a lot of that helped me a lot to kind of fix my habits and fix those nasty habits to become better, not only as a person, but as an athlete and just be healthier for myself for the longevity um, of my career as an athlete. So 
uh, then again, then again, it's it's an accumulation of all these things, right? Um, but I'm very happy even to this day knowing that when I actually eat something, I look at it as a fuel. Like my my body's like a like a car. Like if, if I put good fuel in it, it's going to run efficiently. It's going to run extremely well. And that's kind of the way I have my relationship with any kind of food now. Versus back then, it was kind of like, ooh, like I don't, oh, I can't. That's too much carbs. Oh no, like. It, it was a it was definitely a, a mental sickness and it is actual disorder like mental disorder um as as you know um so for me it just took me a while a lot of self-reflection a lot of self-growth needed to happen um within myself in order to get out of that funk yeah and the reason i asked that is i i was diagnosed with an eating disorder but it was more binging in the other mm. direction um but I wanted, I want to share one story and I have a question from the audience. And that is I started CrossFit at over 500 pounds, lost wow. a lot of weight. And my, my celebration to myself when I lost a lot of weight was that I was going to do a warrior dash. And I know that's like a baby OCR. Um, and it was in Southern Ohio in the Appalachian mountains. And I can't even imagine the mountains you've climbed because they made us climb up this mountain and I had to go on all fours just to get to the top. Mm. And the down was way worse than the up. But in mm. that first warrior dash, I did all the obstacles, but one. And that was the rope climb over the wall. Okay. Could not do it still. Year two, I went back and I was able to do every obstacle, including that one. Nice. So that one then became my favorite, right? Because that's, that's the, the obstacle that I overcame. So the question from the audience is from Elise, and that is, what is your favorite obstacle and your least favorite that you've ever done? Oh, man. Well, my favorite obstacle is always going to be the spear throw. It's always such a huge defining, de defining factor in a race, and it's one of the most, it's almost hitting like that one rep, one rep max snatch or that one rep max clean and jerk. Like, you got one go at it. Like, if you miss, it's like, Gosh, you got to do it. You can't do it again, honestly. Um, I think in CrossFit you can, but in Spartan, it's like you you either hit it or you don't, or you get penalized, you do burpees. Um, but it's also my least favorite because it can it can be the difference between winning and losing. Um, so it's like a like a love love hate relationship, to be honest with you. But honestly, if <laughs> it's it sounds dumb, but my least favorite obstacle is actually the running of Spartan races. <laughs> Oh, wow. I just, I, for me as an athlete, you would think like, I'm a, I'm a pretty good dang runner. Like, especially if, if you look at my track record, like it just makes no sense for the way I can run. Like I was literally at the last of my class in cross country, last of my class in track during high school. Like I was, I was the, I was that kid, that fifth leg kid. Like I wasn't the most prestige runner, but at a combination of doing insanity and peeing any X during my career growing up, it helped kind of, you know, set that foundation. But honestly, um, running, if I catch myself running, it's so boring. I hate it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Total sense to me. Um, <laughs> last, last story about my, my OCR little baby OCR is Tell you said more. you did your first one in Nike free runs. I, I did, did as well. So I get to the, I get that's to the why, top of the that's mountain. Why, that's why you laughed when I mentioned it, didn't you? Oh yeah. 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 I get to the top of the mountain and I'm running and there's just, it's not an obstacle. It doesn't look like anything treacherous, 
but the ground is just wet and it's a little bit muddy. Mm-hmm. And I hit it. And the person I was running with said, I look like Fred Flintstone with my legs just like churning, trying to catch my balance. And I slid for about 50 feet. Wow. <laughs> um, and never went down. I will say I never went to cat-like reflexes, never went down. But yeah, the Nike free runs are not optimal for uh, any kind of mud, Spartan, OCR race. No. No, I mean, if you're doing a stadium race, which is what I ended up like tailoring myself more towards because it was more like CrossFit kind of functional fitness friendly, you definitely can get away with Nike free runs, even if they still exist to this day. But the Nike Reacts is what I started racing in, um, starting in like 2018. And those were just, those are the best shoes for stadium races, in my opinion. So, so let's move to CrossFit. Now yeah. you're the most decorated OCR racer ever. And you're deciding, Hey, I've, I've beaten that drum too long. And now I'm going to, now I'm going to make the CrossFit games. So yes. at what point did you say, drop the, the running and you're just going to go all in on CrossFit? It'll be two years in May. Okay. I just, I just started, I just told myself because I've for such a long time and in 2019, I had accomplished my main goal, which was to win a series event. And that was a stadium world championship series. And then in 2020, obviously everybody knows COVID hit, but luckily God blessed me with a TV opportunity that was on a Spanish network called Exathlon Estados Unidos on Telemundo. And that helped kind of facilitate a lot of the income. I was able to get a home in 2021. I was able to get a bunch of training equipment, which was my dream to buy rogue equipment to start training for CrossFit. But honestly, like in 2021 was kind of like an off year for me. I took it off just to focus on finishing school, focus on my home remodeling, focus on just kind of reestablishing my foundation of like, what do I want to do as an athlete? And Spartan Race was kind of like, on its down end, it, it continues to kind of still, they're still having a hard time coming back in to where they used to be. But um, I think it, what it really boiled down to, I was like, I literally felt like I was starting from scratch again. No sponsors, no sense of direction, no sense of where am I going to go next kind of feeling, kind of like when, well, how I felt when I first started doing Spartan races, like, it took two years, Scott, for me to get my very first Spartan contract. Now, as to be as to be one of the very first Spartan pro athletes to be paid to travel, paid to, to get pretty much everything compensated to, to be a Spartan professional. And now I'm kind of like in that same boat. Like two years ago, I was like, no sponsors, no nothing, just me. What's ahead? I told myself I'm tired of fighting my body's ability to want to grow. Let's let's do this CrossFit 100%. Let's see what happens. I'll give myself two years like I did my Spartan race career. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the pinnacle of, of at the chance of making the games. Like, it's just, it's a dream. And the work obviously has been portrayed into the, into the efforts of qualifying for semifinals. Like, it's no easy feat anymore. Like, these athletes, everybody is just at a whole different level of athleticism like last year i barely cracked i think top 500 in quarterfinals 
but I think I missed it by like, I don't know, a hundred or hundred, hundred to 200 placements to make it to semifinals. Um, I just didn't have the right yeah. support, support team at the gym I was going to at the time. Um, honestly, like it sounds like an excuse, but in reality, like having a huge team behind you that really cares about getting an athlete to semifinals is, I think is very important. And for me, like I came to Mexico city and I'm at training here at CrossFit Condesa now, and there's just a huge community of people who here are just like super into qualifying, super into supporting each other. And there's such a huge support system, even though I train by myself. Like there's just a huge support system of people that are just like, you don't even have to say anything. You can just feel the energy and you can feel them like, damn, like that kid's putting a lot of work in. And for sure enough, like it's paid off in the few months that I've been here. And I think that truly has been the biggest difference for me in my mental game, you know, making friendships with like Chandler Smith and him inviting me to do quarterfinals with him after his injury, which sucked um, in San Diego, like going out there and, doing quarterfinals in that atmosphere was really, I think what leveraged me to earn a spot into semifinals for the North American West region. So a lot of it plays a role, man. And if people, if you think that you can do everything on your own in your own garage, and you know, there's definitely gotta, there's gotta be more purpose behind it. And I think for me, like knowing that my main goal is to make it to the CrossFit games and to be the very first OCR athlete to be at the, to earn their spot, at the CrossFit games is going to be something where <laughs> is where I appreciate I the wording. Uh, yes. Uh, to earn their spot at the CrossFit games is uh, going to be a title that I'm going to be able to hold dear to myself for the, for the rest of my career in the CrossFit. So I, I have a million questions now. I bet. So one, who, who does your programming? So currently I've been following CrossFit mayhem compete. Um, I've been giving that a go for the last, obviously I started back in May of two years ago. So that has definitely has been a pillar of my success and why I'm progressing so fast. It does work. I think if you, if, if there's no secret to it, I think of so many athletes be away or so many athletes just say it flat out. Like there's no secret to it. Just put in the work, um, day in and day out consistently. And sure enough, like that work is displayed on the, on the leaderboard. Um, so for me, that's been what I've been doing these last two years to just kind of prepare myself and just being way more knowledgeable on how programming is in CrossFit, but it's very similar to, it's not anything different than what I've been used to doing in Spartan racing at all. Because my training in Spartan Race, honestly, was very, like, more mental than physical. Like, CrossFit's a lot of physical. Like, there's some mental game into it. Like, but the volume of it, for me, is, like, I love it. Like, I just, I love the intensity. I love the strength component within it. Like, it's just a day-to-day, -day, just grind. Just grind. Yeah, as, as an observer, I would say CrossFit is physical until you get to the point you're at right now. Yes, and then the difference between the places at a semifinal is going to be part mental. It's going to be a lot more mental. Exactly. No, I truly believe that. I mean, to be truly quite frank with you, like just competing in only two individual CrossFit events in my, in my life, you know, I competed in 2019 at the sanctional that I qualified for in South at South Bay in Argentina and competing against 45, 45, 45 athletes 
you know, I took 10th at the end of that weekend, but just being in the corral, being in the, on the floor, I just finally, I felt a feeling that I've never felt that I had felt in Spartan race. Like I just felt like I was at home, you know? And then I felt it again as I competed in Puerto Rico last year in November at a CrossFit license event it's called Beetle, Beetle Extravaganza and was able to be the very first Spartan race athlete to podium at a CrossFit license event, which that was really cool. And yeah, every time I just step on that floor, man, it just feels like I feel like at home. Like I just, I can't explain it. It just feels like it doesn't feel like a Spartan race, man. Like a Spartan race, I'm freaking nervous. Like I'm the hardest, like I tell people the hardest, I should have answered this when we had gotten this question, but the hardest obstacle for me is just getting to that start line of a Spartan race, like literally. And then once the, yeah. once the guns, once the guns, the guns go off, like something just clicks, my body goes into a primal state and I'm able just to be me. But for some reason on a CrossFit plat on a, on a CrossFit floor, like I just feel at home, man. Like it's just, it's so exhilarating. It's so fun. It's like, I'm not even thinking about the person in my right or my left. It's like, I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And that's why I'm so hooked on it now. And why I'm pursuing this dream to be competing along the fittest on earth at the CrossFit Games. So just so the audience knows, in 2022, you finished 227th in North America. They took the top 120 uh, mm -hmm. in North America. This year in North America West, where they take the top 60, you finished 45th. So yeah. solidly, solidly inside that cut line. Um, would you say with all of your OCR experience, are you a better in-person competitor than you are an online competitor? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who or any person that would say that they're not, I think there's something that's primal as far as competing against other people alongside you. Um, I had a stab at that several times and even in the previous, you know, CrossFit license events that I've competed in, like, it's just, I'm always better in person. I mean, for me, it's like, I took 45th, right. <clears throat> But that was after the penalties. Like I had some mix-ups with my front squats on the third set of front squats on the first workout. Had some complications with my standard on the V-ups and that penalized me heavily. Like if I didn't get penalized, I would have been entering quarterfinals. Or I would have been entering semifinals in the 16th seed versus 45th. So it was just like I know where my fitness is at. And if I'm competing like that online, I can only imagine what I'm going to be doing on the competition floor. So I'll tell you this, there, there are athletes that prefer working out online as opposed to in person, um, in person, it's a one and done. You get one shot at it. You can't redo it. There are people that like redos. There are people that like their special pull-up bar. They like their special barbell. And when you go to this level, you get none of that. Right. And that's why you see an, a huge shakeup on the leaderboard when you get to semifinals. Crazy. Plus, I never looked like at you that said, way. the immediate feedback of a judge is huge, mm -hmm. right? If your V-up standard isn't right, the judge is going to tell you in the moment and you can correct it on the fly. Yes, this is very true. Right. And I was a swimmer growing up, right? There is something about reeling in that person ahead of you. 
-hmm. Like when you see that person right there in your sights and you know, you can reel them in, there is a hunger and a passion and a competitiveness that some people have that others don't. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine Scott, like Spartan racing, obviously the competing in Spartan race is completely different than, than CrossFit. Like, I only have one race. When I show up to that start line, there's only one finish. And it's like either I perform the best that I can or I don't. I strategize strategize the best that I can or I don't. So it's one of those things for me where like I know with all those years, all those races, everything that I've competed in, even outside of just OCR and Spartan Race, a lot of those things have honestly the mental game of competing as an athlete. I know it's just, I don't know, it's either a habit or you don't, I don't know how to explain it or put it into words for you, Yeah. but it's just, it's just primal for me. Like I just, I don't even think of those things. Like what you just got done explaining to me, like, I didn't, I don't think of those things. I just think of like, all of us are on the same competition floor. All of us are doing the same workout. It's just, who's going to do the best at strategizing and completing this workout the fastest, the most efficient way. Like, I don't think of like, Oh, the bar is not my bar that I have on my gym. Oh, the barbell is not my barbell that I love. Like, I don't think of that stuff. It's crazy to even fathom that a lot of athletes think of that stuff. But those are things I can't control. All I can control is what I do on that floor at the best of my ability. And that's it. The the only reason I bring that up is I am a huge proponent for live CrossFit. Yeah. Live CrossFit events are way better than online CrossFit events. And the more we can make live, the better the sport will be. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just like the Eminem song, right? You get one shot, one opportunity mm-hmm. to give it everything you ever wanted. And, and that's what this is, right? Online stuff is not that. Online yeah. is, ooh, I, I had a bad start. I'm going to restart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So it, it's very, very different. And that's why I'm excited for this. I, gosh, I could talk to you forever. I want to respect your time, but I want to finish on, I want to finish on your faith. Yeah. I was, I was looking at your story today. uh, Some Bible verses from Matthew about building on a rock. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I, you mentioned it kind of at the beginning of this podcast that you're doing it for the glory of him, not for you. And I love that. And I want to know, one, did you use OCR as that platform to glorify his name? You know, it was, it was a rough few years. And obviously, I'm human, right? There was a rough few years. I was, I was filled with self-ambition. I was, there was times I was racing for the glory of the, of the fame or the, of the title or just even the money, man. I remember catching myself. You know, fudge, if I just place one more placement higher, I can earn 200 more dollars. If I just, if I just get one more placement higher, I could win this. It's, it was a lot of self desirable things, the world desires for a very few, for, for several few years. And I think again, it was that big slap in the face of like the ankle injuries, the plantar fasciitis, the, the wake up calls, the not getting up ropes. Like I had a, I couldn't get up this rope in the competition once at a Tough Mudder X event and I would, my, I would just shot. Like there was a lot of humility that has brought me to who I'm at today and what I try to represent to the best of my ability. But I know that even if I try my best, I will never be perfect. So for, to this day, like I just, that's one message I always wanna get across is like, no matter how many times I fell, 
no matter how many times I fall, God gives me the opportunity to get back up and keep moving forward and just be better. Just try to do better. Be the best person that I can be so that others can see that they can do it too. And so t- today's message in your Instagram was that, yeah. that everything is built on, on a rock, rock. right? And so, yes. so what, what message were you conveying to the people who follow you? So for me, that message is, uh, it's Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, where, um, Jesus says like, build, build your house on a rock. So that when the storms comes, the storms of life, that the, the, the worries, the, the temptations that they don't, they don't shake your foundation. It doesn't shake your home. It doesn't shake your foundation. But if you build your rock on sand, where you, if you know, like if you build a house on sand, if storms come and waters swarm or hell comes, like it's going to destroy that home. So I think God's message is truly like, if you set yourself on that firm foundation of his love and what he wants for you, and you wanted to seek that message and want to, not only seek that message, but display that message within yourself so that it attracts to others. I think that's one thing that God wants us to always do is just making sure that we're founded on that rock, solidifying, knowing that what we want is where we want it to be. It's not going to be, it's not going to be shakable. When you were 18 and your dad was deported to Mexico and you were going through all that you went through the bad breakup and all that, were you on sand or rock back then? Oh, my faith was so young. I was definitely on sand. I was definitely on sand. But you know, and was there a moment? For, was there a moment where that became more solid? My bike ride across the country in 2013. I cycled from Austin, Texas to Killington, Vermont for the Spartan Race World Championship on a bicycle. It was a 2,000, 2000 plus mile journey by myself, 40 pounds of, of stuff in my backpack, my computer, three pairs of clothes. I think that journey really helped set a foundation for me to really hone in on my faith and know like there is a God, things do happen for a certain reason at a certain time for a specific moment. But that journey, 20, 16 days straight, helped really set that foundation for me and really allow me to see so much of not only the beauty of the United States, but the beauty of what God could truly do in your heart and really show you what you're capable of doing with his help. That, what I, what I, so you say love-hate relationship, right? We, we talked yeah. about that earlier. Mm-hmm. I love and hate guests like you because every time you speak, you give me another path to go down. And <laughs> I've got like 20 paths in front of me of where I want to go. And yeah. um, we are definitely going to have to do a part two of this. Oh, we will. Um, I love it. <laughs> um, so that that is so cool. Like a bike ride. So I when I was in high school, I biked everywhere. I biked to work. I biked to swim practice. I biked to football practice. It just was. And I love that time on the bike. It just was, it's just you in the wind. And, um, and it, I don't know, there was something about it. I, but I cannot imagine 2000 miles. Yeah. No, I mean, and you're, I'm biking on 
you know, highway. It's illegal now, but you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, the white line between the white line and the medium telling you like, yo, you're getting off the road. I was literally biking on that line, that little, that middle line, letting semis pass me inches away from death day in and day out. I biked across country without a helmet. I, yeah, just, <laughs> there was so many things that I just, that I did on that journey that kind of like humbled me. And it allowed, it's allowed me to reflect so much about how it's kind of really set a foundation for me as an athlete and as a person and how much I've been able to endure throughout my career. And as you can relate, you know, <clears throat> I can truly relate with you is like growing up, I didn't have access to a vehicle. I didn't have, you know, my mother was a bus driver. I, I, she, she would, we would have to ride with her in the morning just to get to school at like 4.30 in the morning. And if we didn't, we had a bike to school or run to school. So there was times my brother and I would be so lazy, we'd wake up late purposely. So yeah, we could just bike to school, which was about, it was about six miles from our home. And we would have to bike home as well. So it was kind of one of those things where I, I, I had built these like little niches growing up that allowed me to like really not, you know, look at life in this perspective of like, ah, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be fun today. You know, it's kind of helped propelled yeah. me forward and kind of helped build my foundation in many ways than, than I would think even right now speaking about it. There is nothing more frightening than getting passed by a semi on a 10 speed. If, if that doesn't bring you closer to God, I don't know what will. I mean, I do. I could, I could go on this, this call with you right now and tell you some crazy stuff that just like, what? But you know, we'll save it for another time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you get back to your day and your training because yeah. uh, you're going to North America West in Pasadena. Yes, sir. Um, you're representing Mexico. Yes, sir. Um, and so, and you were working out in Mexico city, which is, so are you working out at elevation? Yes. It's about 70, I think 73 or 7,200 feet here. Yeah. So, so I'll be going, what do you, I'll be going in with some lungs. I'll be going in with some lungs. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be, I mean, that's like resistance training. Uh, for CrossFit. Very, very. I mean, <clears throat> Chandler explained it to me the best. I mean, I was always wondering, you know, I had asked Chandler about this, like, bro, like, why, are the, why isn't there that many CrossFit athletes training at altitude? And he had told me the scientific terminology of it, but like, you can't get the best power output training at high altitude than you could at sea level for as you would need for CrossFit. Obviously, CrossFit is very anaerobic based you know methodology so it does make sense but i'm also like on the other spectrum of like my spartan race mentality of like the more oxygen i have the more endurance and resistance that my body's capable of performing at so if i'm able to perform yeah maybe not that fast or maybe not that high of a power output here at altitude doing crossfit training imagine when i actually go down to sea level so I think to really be truly honest with you, I think that's what helped propel me so well for quarterfinals that's in San Diego. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, that makes sense. So are you, are you coming in, are you going into Pasadena anytime early or are you just going to come day before? No, I'm going in on the 24th. 
Okay. Uh, so I'm going to just the day before it's competition or is it two days? Yeah. I think well, competition starts on Friday. Yeah. So 24th is a uh, Wednesday. Yeah. I'll be coming in yeah. two days prior. <sighs> yeah. I only know that cause it's my wedding anniversary and I'm oh, leaving my wife to go to, <laughs> to go to Pasadena that day. Oh no. So I'm gonna beat you in person then. Yeah. 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 Nice. We'll be there covered. We have a little team of four. Uh, we're going to be covering the event. Uh, I am taking down storylines that I want to follow. And yeah. uh, I definitely have one from this interview. That's for sure. Yeah, man, I'll be there. You obviously already know. I'm definitely will be yeah. at your disposal. <laughs> yeah. See if we can get that first earned OCR spot at the CrossFit games. Yes. Yes. I, this is very true. And I'm, again, it's the most, I have never in my career in Spartan race, there's always that set of like, you show up that like you got one shot, right? You just got one race. You travel hundreds and hundreds of miles for a 5K race. And it's like, you got one opportunity to win the race. For this, it's like, I got six workouts, maybe seven to earn my spot to the CrossFit Games. Like, I got six workouts that I can do. Like, and I'm yep. going to... And like, there's just a lot of, I mean, there's, I could go on, but there's just this TV show that I did, um, in 2020, like it just taught me so much of the repetitiveness of like falling out, falling on your face, you're falling on, the, on your face, but you're having to get back up and doing it all over again. Like I've, I've learned that, like, you just take one, one thing at a time at your best effort. And if it's not your best effort, you got another opportunity. That's all. That's the way I look at it. Well, I'm going to leave it there. There's a couple comments I'm going to share with you from the audience. Uh, Yash says, this is an inspirational story. Mm. Uh, Elise, thank you for your time, Isaiah. No, thank you all so much for having me. And thank you so much for everybody who's watching. And I pray that God will continue to flourish y'all's journey as much as he continues to flourish mine. Yeah. Thank you so much in the chat for being here, Isaiah. Thank you a bunch. We will meet you in Pasadena. Can't wait. And with that, we'll see everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast.